Okay, this is uh, Rich Sontag and Ben Schofield. This is our second podcast, and uh, we're here today to talk about uh, how can we be authentic Christians to our family members, to our friends, be totally engaged, uh, not be weird, not be um, uh, religious, but bring them one step closer to Christ. And uh, my friend Ben here is, talks about how we're just one part of that equation when we're winning people to Christ. Yeah. And uh, how can we do that? What's your take on that, Ben? Well, I, I just had kind of like an epiphany one day, or I guess I should say I felt like the Lord spoke to me when, you know, I was listening to several testimonies in a row and it was just people that just said, you know, this is my conversion story. And not everyone, but so many of them were like, you know, I got to this point and then I looked back and God had been leaving me road signs along my path for years and years and years. And I started meditating on that and I just really felt like the Lord said that I was, um, sort of handicapping myself, I guess you could say, mm. because I felt like I wasn't being um, effective unless I was the one that led them to the Lord. Mm. And he really just ch changed my thinking a little bit and said, you need to be willing to be effective by being one of those signposts along their road pointing them to jesus over and over again because that's all part of that's all part of the journey sometimes you're going to throw seeds and soil that's not the right timing for that soil but you mm -hmm. know you just keep doing it and doing it and eventually seeds are going to land in in fertile soil and you may not be the one that quote unquote leads them to the lord sure. but you know being a, a point a, a like i said a sign pointing them on on their path to jesus is a big deal right so how ben how do you deal with people that are ultra-religious in your family, um, they don't seem to have a behavior of Christ, but they just right. are very into the family. They're very religious. They even go to church or whatever, but they don't seem to really be have an authentic walk. Yeah. Um, in my experience, one of the things that really makes for head scratchers for people in that position is when you talk about um, being filled with compassion and just really loving on people and because it's it's a really key ingredient in when you talk about very religious people um, Jesus mm. talked to the Pharisees and he rebuked them for the way they gave because they gave he rebuked them for the way they fasted because they fasted you mm. know but the overarching uh, rebukes all came to you you heap all these rules upon people and you don't care about them you don't love them um, and I think that that really comes off as kind of foreign to people who who have religious form but no life to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to introduce a lot of a lot of you know just my own acts of compassion, stories of acts of compassion and stuff, mm -hmm. just because I think that you know nobody wants to come to Christmas signing up for a fight and you know someone to wag their finger at and tell them what's wrong with them. But just those little just those little pricks that you get to 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 leave behind and saying you know. This is the way Jesus touched me. This is the way Jesus used me to touch someone. Mm -hmm. And and this is why my experience with Jesus isn't all about rules. It's about love mm -hmm. and compassion that's and grace. Good. Because yeah. that's the head scratcher for them that kind of yes. stands out as like, yeah. that's not normal. Right. That's good. Yeah. So we don't, uh, like my, I always share with my brother, that, you know, religion is going to church and thinking about fishing. Yeah. But Christianity is going fishing and thinking about God. You know, so we need to be authentic and like you said, put your love on, love people through thick and thin, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, 
So, so one of the things that I try to do is be fully present. Yeah. You ever heard the saying, wherever you are, be there? And I'm a visionary, so I have a tendency to think ahead. I have my uh, comatose times where I eat too much turkey or too much food. Right. And I'm sitting there like, uh, uh, I'm just my kind of brain dead. But if I really engage myself and put all my heart into it, I push off all that fleshly stuff. And I really take interest in family members. And really, what are they doing in... Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says, uh, you know, it's just don't work to impress others. It says, take interest in them in what they are doing. This, this is the attitude that Jesus had. And I find when you do that, the love of God sheds abroad in your heart, and they start to talk about their thing. You know, like I have a problem with IT, you know. I could, I'm, I'm bored stiff with IT stuff. But you know what? He's into it. So I, I listen to what he's into you know, and I have another brother-in-law. It's kind of like a John Wayne cowboy that shoots deer and shoots everything that moves in a field. So <laughs> he's one of the Christmas cards with the AK. You know, right? So, so, but anyway, so that's one way I do. I do that. Uh, what do you do? Anything else you do? Um, you know, there's a chance to talk to people that you don't talk to very much. Uh, that's always a big plus for me. So sometimes it's, you know, just getting to spend any time with people in it. Our conversations kind of go all over the place, but yeah, I agree with you. Showing interest in, in them, um, is, is a big deal. I mean, you gotta, you have to work past so much, well, I guess polarization in our culture. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's a great way to diffuse that is mm -hmm. just, let's maybe not talk about politics. Tell me about your hunting. Or right. tell me about your IT job. Right. What right. what's your you know new favorite app or whatever your your right. brother in law happens to like about his IT job? Sure. Because I mean that's just a surefire way to. I know there's there there can be value in having hard conversations about controversial things. I'm not saying that there can't, but I think that you have to be able to sit down and say, "What's my goal today? If it's to to love on my family and be present with my family, then you know that it's a surefire way in certain situations to bring up politics." Or to even bring up religion when you know your whatever relative is an atheist or, or that kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know. I like to go into those things with like objectives and then I screen my activities through the objectives. And if it's mm -hmm. not headed towards what I felt like the Lord told me to do ahead of time, I'm like, you know, put, mm -hmm. put on the brakes. But I think avoiding polarization is both difficult and, and like almost like a constant task in certain situations mm -hmm. because it's just everywhere right now. Sure. One of the things I do is uh, most Christians uh, know the story of Martha and Mary. And I'll just explain it real quick. Martha was the go-getter. She was the cooker. She was fixing dinner and everything. And uh, and she started to complain to Jesus because Mary was just sitting there chilling out, fellowshipping with, with uh, Jesus. And he's like, you know, you know, Jesus, tell Mary she's got to come on, get on with it and help me. And, and Jesus stops and says, you know, uh, actually... Uh, Martha, Mary chooses the better thing, the fellowship, and to put that over priority. Now, Mary, Martha gets kind of a bad rap there because we got to have some Marthas. <laughs> we got to have cooks. We got to have action people, don't we? Yep. So she was doing a noble thing. But, but what I take away from that is when I prepare for Christmas events and that, I try to put Mary time in there. And what that looks like is I stop 
I budget in my time. So I may go to a party or I may have people over is I will budget an hour, half an hour in to read the word, to get filled up with God or to, um, to me, I, you know, for a nap, I get a 10, 20 minute nap. It revives my emotions, revives my brain. It engages me. That's great. Or I'll maybe sit down and watch a, uh, you know, a inspiring movie, but what fills you up? Yeah. With Christ, so yeah. that you, when you come, it doesn't matter if your closet's clean and you got the perfect little finger food there. If you're burnt toast, because my mom used to come to parties and she would be totally drained, literally fall asleep while we were there. And I was like, Mom, I, I feel like I really came for you and not the food, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, so that that's just an example of what I try to do at Christmas time and holidays, so that I am just fresh, yeah, and fully alert. Fully engaged. Yeah. That yeah, I, see, you, I mean, you went into it with like an objective of being able to connect with your people. Um, yeah. So if your objective, unless your objective is to, you know, piss off Uncle Ron by bringing right. up politics, then, you know, and, and people are people get so hung up because they rightly so believe that certain ones of these topics are super important. Mm -hmm. But I mean, pearls before swine, if it's an yeah. audience where and I, I, I say this all the time. If your audience, if you don't have a place in their lives, you're mm -hmm. wasting your breath. And not only wasting your breath, likely doing damage. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a clinging symbol. There's no love there. Yeah. Not the kind of love that accepts, you know, hard truths from you. And so all you're doing is, is putting a wedge between them. And so what I just heard from you is you have your objectives are so clear that you even set a, a priority list and how, how you, you know, preserve your own energy to, to follow through with them and stuff. And that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I find that, uh, I like that objective that you brought up, Ben, there, is I find that leading people to Christ is that the fear of man brings a snare. That's our number one problem. We fear man. We fear what people are going to think about us. We, 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 the other thing is, second thing is we don't care. We just get busy. We don't care. And the third thing, our wealth makes us busy, which is, we, I'm not demonizing wealth. Wealth's a good thing. But when it takes us away from those things that, that, are, that are Christ, so we need to go in there. Here's the reality. We have people, we probably know, and people in this world going to hell. And I don't mean to be gloom and doom, but I want to be passionate about every situation. You know, I'm on the last third of my life, and, and when I turned 50, I was like, you know what? I ain't wasting more days. I'm getting it. And, you know, I have tired days or whatever, but there's not too many days I waste. And each opportunity when you're with family members, you're there to, to, to show Christ, to win them Christ, or maybe encourage them if they're a Christian, you know. So uh, so that's just something, like you were saying, an objective. Go in there with purpose, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. I, I identify with that. I know a lot of people can look at these sort of Internet sayings and memes and stuff that go around as, as cheesy, but, you know, the one that says, like, we spend, you know, two-thirds of our life accumulating wealth and then one-third spending all our wealth and trying to fix the health that we ruined by accumulating all our wealth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oh. it's like some kind of vicious cycle that we need right. Jesus to interrupt and, right. and get us refocused on the right. important things, for sure. Right, right. How do, you, how do you spiritualize or how do you look at giving gifts in your family? Is it just, are we caught up in the, the, the tradition of it? Or do you have, you feel like a, you're Christ-driven in that? Does that make sense? There's probably a mixture. I mean, if ever there's a time when... When I think, in particular, dads, and I suppose moms too, but I'll, I'll speak for dads, can can somehow 
feel a little selfish while giving. It might be Christmas because, you know, it, may, it just makes you feel good to, to be able to give gifts to your kids and stuff. But to me, it's, it, it's a lot less about lots of gifts or little gifts and, and just more about w what you make it about. Mm. Um, and so I don't really, I know people have some real hardline stances on any gifts, lots of gifts, a little bit of gifts. And, mm -hmm. you know, we tend to formulate an opinion or maybe even hear for the, from the Lord and then we spiritualize it and act like it's gospel. And I think mm -hmm. it's really individual. Like every family needs something a little different. Mm -hmm. Some families have an easier time uh, maintaining the whole holiday or being around Christ, centered around Christ, and some don't. And to me, that's really what it is, is... Regardless of whether you feel like a lot of gifts gives into consumerism or it doesn't and you just like blessing your kids, you know, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, I think you don't have to walk away from the idea that this is what we're really doing. And this is why I even like giving you gifts to begin with. Like mm -hmm. the reason why I like being a father, the reason why I like being you, seeing you happy mm -hmm. is because God put that in me. He, he put it in even unsaved people. It's like inborn into, into humans, you know, the, mm -hmm. that part that still remains of being made in God's image. Like fathers love seeing that in their kids mm -hmm. and us as believers, we can turn that around and be like, here's why I love seeing you so happy when you open a gift. Yeah. And it makes good. me feel good because I love you. Yeah. But I mean, here's where that comes from. Yeah. You know, that comes from, from, from God, the father. Right. And he loved us as children so much that yeah. he sent his son. And this is just a part of that, of that big old picture. But you know, so I feel like there's probably some selfishness in there. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that I love seeing my kids happy and therefore I love getting them presents and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but I, so I think really it's, it's less about, you know, the, how grandiose your Christmas is. Mm -hmm. And I say that in defense of people that have grandiose Christmases too. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody feels noble for, for insisting on a, on a small Christmas. And I say, if you have a, right. if you have a, a humongous Christmas and it's, seems outlandish to people, but you're making it Christ centered, then all, right. you know, more power to you. Yeah. Um, but that, that to me is really the gist of it. I don't take hardline stances on consumerism and stuff like that. I mean, I don't say that just because there's a lot of stuff, it means consumerism. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. saying if there's a lot of stuff and you're saying, I, I love you because you know, yeah. that's part of the God, the father that got built into me, then I think that's yeah. great. My mom was over the top. She spent four, 5,000 a year. We would get wow. seven to 10 gifts per child. Wow. You know, it was over the top. I mean, the paper was so thick, but that probably was caught up in some tradition. But I will say this, I, without a shadow of doubt, Christmases and many times in my life, I felt loved. I felt her gifts were really authentically from Christ because Jesus said, as freely as we receive, now freely give, no strings attached. And it's a bummer to get a gift with attachments. It is a total bummer. I would encourage you out there, if you give gifts to your children or anybody with strings attached, you're not doing what Christ intended. What's an example of that? Well, it would it would be like, okay, uh, here's an iPhone, uh, you know, but don't go. I gave you a package of uh, $20, and don't go over your minutes, and I'll take it away in, within three months if you go over your minutes. Well, you probably just set them up because they're probably going to go over their package, you know. There's strings attached, you know, or, or, you know, here's your bike, but don't ride it in the snow and rain. It's raining and snowing right now. They want to go out. You're probably setting the kid up. You're putting strings attached to it. You know, um, uh, you know, here's a hundred dollars, but you know, don't be an idiot and spend it all on, you know, McDonald's or something, you know, you give it and it's, it, that baby right. is gone. Yeah. You know, I believe that's why God instructs us to give to the poor widows and orphans. 
There's no return likely on earth. And I would encourage you guys at Christmas time, give to the widows, which is usually single moms and single dads in our modern day, and give to the poor and give to orphans, you know, and uh, and it, it, it does something to you. You know, it's it's a great opportunity. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. hopefully that's a good example. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. You know, so, uh, so that's really important. The other thing I was thinking about, I, re- I read a book. I do two things at Christmas time. I watch It's a Wonderful Life. And in in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart is always giving his life away. He's given he, the Bible says if you lose your life, you'll gain it. And he if you look and really study that movie, every time he gave his life away, someone got saved and touched. And he revolutionized a whole community. So that's one thing. The other thing is I read this book called The Purpose of Christmas. And it's by Rick Warren, and it and it's uh it's it says three things. We're to acknowledge Jesus, make a cake. Or, or open the front door of your house this is what I do. I open the front door of my house, and I say, Jesus, this party, this event, this Christmas, I want you to be a part of it. Come on in. Spirit of living God, I want you to be a part of it. Second thing, he says, what can you do to bring salvation to your family members and friends? And, uh, and yeah, don't, uh, how, how can you do that? And... Um, and just bring them closer to Christ as we're talking today. And the third thing is cool is uh, be reconciled to God and reconcile to one another. So I use this as an opportunity. I would say take Jesus out of the manger scene and make him real. Sure. So I use this as an opportunity to look at every relationship in my life. And I find the enemy's always building stress or conflict or unforgiveness or something. There's tension there. And I use it as that time, that 30 days from December 1st to the end of the month, is to take people out for coffee, uh, reconnect them, send them a card to say, hey, I was just thinking about you. And no strings attached. And I want to reconcile with you. I miss offering that olive branch. And I've seen so many relationships, you know, and it's part of the AA program. And a lot of people do like step nine or something like that. I, that's where I learned it from. Some gal, she says, this changed my life. Hmm. She says, I did it one time and made right all the relationships that I had wrong. And she said, I decided to do it every year. So I was like, wow, I'm going to incorporate that in my life. And it's, and it's life changing. You know, the enemy's always, you know, putting things. in return. So that's taking Jesus, making a real, taking him out of the major scene and saying, okay, that's how you authentically live the life of a Christian. So so as you and I were preparing for the podcast today, we were talking about how different it feels to share Jesus or talk about Jesus, I guess, or even share the gospel in a culture like ours where virtually every single person at least knows the highlights um, about the gospel, about Jesus. And, you know, it's different than going to a third world country where they might respond, Jesus who? Mm-hmm. Um, so in a, in a world where your family has most likely heard the gospel and some of them have chosen not to believe it, um, where do you go? Where, what, what are like some go-tos for you to show Jesus to them in an authentic way that's not, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and them going, I know that, I still don't believe you or whatever the response might be. What are, what are some of your... Uh, go-to activities, I guess. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I think I think timely gifts. It, you could go from two dollars to a hundred dollars, but if it's something that they need hmm. and you pay attention to them, yeah. So a gift that's hits a need. Um, I think food made with love uh, and, and really invested times, whether it's cookies or, or baked goods or whatever. 
I think food can go a long ways and open up doors and touch people. Um, time, time, I think, you know, I, I heard a lot of people say you spell love, T-I-M-E, time, and people appreciate that. So whether it's the shut-ins or whether it's people that just need to be loved on, that's one way. I think one of the biggest things is, is listen to what is important to people. Is um, just lately there was a little girl at church that um, expressed one day that she really likes little red trucks. So I just kind of made a note of that. And I was like, Lord, <clears throat> lead me to that little red truck. I'm going to buy it for her for Christmas. So I found a, a, a card with a, with a truck on it. And then I bought that. And then I found a little thing you put on the wall with the truck on it. And I'm like, oh, I got to eventually get there. And I found uh, a box with a truck on it. And I, was, I thought that was all I was going to do and give her some candy and you know work on it. But I was in Cracker Barrel one day and I saw this red truck. And I was like, oh, I got to get that far, you know. And it was just a unique thing. So I was able to actually present that to her. And that just made her day. I'm, I could just tell you, she just see her expression, you know. And I don't know, she's 12, 13 years old. So so I think it's doing that um, and, and really listening to uh to uh, people. Um, I, I also ask people a lot of questions at Christmas time. You know, what's your favorite tradition? What's your favorite um, uh, Christmas songs? Um, what are your favorites that really work for you? And uh, and that seems to get people to open up and, and you can bring Christ that way. And it's a very practical way. I, in return, I also try to, I try to introduce a new tradition each year to my boys and my immediate family, and like I do this thing, I call it a thankful jar, or a winds jar, and it's just all through the year, you write down, you know, oh, my son went to Switzerland, that's a win, you know, um, I, I, I got through a um, financial situation, you know, that was difficult, that's a win, you know, I write that down, you know, and uh, so it's just, um, Something just to add tradition to bring Christ in it because we always have an attitude of gratitude. So, so the way I would summarize that, a lot of that, anyways, maybe not all of it, which makes a lot of sense to me because this is kind of how I summarize you in a good way. Being intentional. Yes. Like you're in all of that was like I'm intentionally caring about you. I'm intentionally listening to you. Yeah. I'm intentionally choosing what I purchase for you. I'm intentionally connecting with you. Yeah. I'm intentionally connecting with you all year long while I ask you to, you know, put stuff in the, in the, in the thankful jar for your dad, you know, so right. that we can do something at Christmas time. Right. So I a hundred percent agree with that because I think that, you know, I mean, it's a, it's virtually a pandemic that people feel overlooked. Mm -hmm. I've been watching, um, they're, they're kind of going around on, on Facebook and on social media right now. And I've probably seen maybe two, maybe three videos of where people will go and set a camera, you know, 20, 30 yards away. Um, and then they'll go off and stand on a street corner and just say like free hugs. And the last one I saw, they did it in, in a college uh, campus and the students were just melting down. Like, wow. and you know, they just feel overlooked. They feel unseen. Like there's just no intentionality and just somebody standing on a street corner offering to give total strangers hugs. Right. One of them, I thought it was kind of weird because the guy was a little young and I thought, Oh, you're a little young looking to, to be doing that. Um, because when I think of it, I always think like, 
those kids really need the, like the hug of a father figure kind of a thing. But yeah. you know, there was nothing weird or creepy about it. He got about the same yeah. response and it was just like, and people would just sit there and say, I needed that so bad. My life is, is this way right now because of this. I mean, we ought to probably ought to do that and go to some of the local colleges here in St. Louis and do it just because the opportunity to open up that for prayer and prophecy and all kinds yeah. of stuff would be huge, you know? Um, that's good. But we need like somebody really grandfatherly to like lead it out for us. I think. Yeah. But, at uh, church, we have this guy called, uh, I call him Hugging Greg. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. The bearded guy. And, and I'm not, an, I wouldn't say. He would be my, the perfect guy to hold the sign. You would need, you would need, uh, and, and I'm, I have been brought up in a, not a big huggy family, you know, and I like hugs, you he know, and they're hugs. great. But, you know, when he first met him, I was like, you know, I don't think I do hugs, you know, and he, you could tell he was kind of cautious with me. And yeah. but eventually he came up to him, I kept giving him a hug, and I said, you know what? Your hugs are awesome. Yep. They're God ordained, and so I think that's he's, a he's great. Got, he's got that disarming look too. Oh my god, he totally does. He's just. Uh, we he's should amazing. take him. He'll hold the sign. We'll sit behind him. Yeah. And when the opportunity's right, we'll come up and pray with he him. He would be all in on he that would. too. Oh, he's I, retired. I he oh yeah. He's he's a smart dude. He's coming. he's retired from Boeing. And, oh, wow, and okay. an Engineer, I think, or something like that. You know. That would write that down. We just came up with a yeah. good idea. Yeah. I mean, it's somebody else's idea, but we should totally do it. But man, the yeah, the idea of being intentional with people that is. It's just severely lacking. I mean, everybody is about the hustle and bustle and the making the buck and mm -hmm. getting ahead and all that. And I fall into it too. Mm -hmm. And I just, I see videos like that and I'm like, man, the world just lacks intentionality right now. Yeah. Um, I would throw in on top of, of your list, um, looking for opportunities to bring in the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit how I'm wired and how I'm gifted and stuff too. So that's naturally, you know, at the top of my mind, but n you know, never underestimating the, the idea that at any moment, you know, your Uncle Ron is limping through the the living room and, you know, you just get that thing and you say, hey, Uncle Ron, can I pray for your hip real quick? And then, boom, oh. God comes and heals, wow. heals him in a dramatic yeah. way. I mean, that'd be an exciting Christmas. That would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be phenomenal. Um, you know, anywhere from that to, you know, dramatic answers to prayer. You know, you pray. Yeah. You, you know, you see your single aunt stressing over some stuff or you notice she's acting different and you, a quick conversation reveals she's worried about losing her job or she did mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. pray for finances and then she calls mm -hmm. you a couple of days later because of some dramatic turn or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I always look for, for those inroads uh, for, you know, real dramatic supernatural stuff, the kind that it's really hard to ignore. Uh, I don't think those, I think sometimes as charismatics, we get caught up in thinking that those are the end all be all. And I think... God is so after people. He wants to use every single avenue you can think of. Yeah. I mean, from, from the being intentional to the, to the signs in the heavens and everything in between, yeah, he is all about yeah. it. He uses um, pagan things. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, there's not too many pagan things that, that they didn't just corrupt something good anyway. I just you know? did a study in Santa Claus and, and, uh, uh, Christmas trees and, yeah. and they're, they were not endorsed by Christians at first. They were pagan things that, right. that were endorsed eventually, you know, by Christians, you know, and that I actually had a really bummer uh, uh christmas one time and i was like i started feeling sorry for myself and i'm like this this is a bummer and i was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start dressing up like santa claus so i started dressing Where'd up like know? santa claus and every year i dress up as santa claus and i go and shock kids with uh, santa you just claus walk around with it. uh i go i have special families i go oh, okay, to okay. but i'm actually even thinking about moving out and doing it on facebook or something if they have a there's uh some other families i'm going to incorporate one one year me and my little niece we did go up to mcdonald's and we went up to public and we went out and handed out candy okay. in places but i was thinking about that was a cool idea about the hugs too santa claus giving them oh, a yeah, hug. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But every time I visit people, people don't think I'm getting weird with Santa Claus, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
I always had my own major scene and I turn it on and I said, well, here, before we leave, I always acknowledge the reason for the season. He who pioneered Christmas. I said, you guys, yeah. you guys know who that is. And most people don't. I said, well, that's Jesus. And I bow down. So Santa Claus is bowing down nice. to Jesus yeah. before he leaves. And I really want to mess up every little kid that says, thinks Santa Claus is more awesome than Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is more awesome than Santa Claus. Talk about a, a little sign on the road, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just something I do to get out of the box. It Santa Claus is greeted warmly everywhere. It's amazing. You know, and I just use that as a tool to reach you, people. You know, here I, I'm in this little bitty uh, subdivision. It's just one little loop. And um, I don't think it was open to everybody because they didn't send out letters or anything, but it, it made me think of what you're saying uh, about five, six, seven, eight houses down. Uh, they had a, they put a wrapping paper all over their garage door and brought out the Santa throne and he sat there. And I think it was just for their kids or whatever. But I mean, you came into a neighborhood like this and I could send out flyers and we could have a, a group waiting for yeah. you. You could do that in a lot of different neighborhoods. Hey, yeah, I got fun. a free Santa coming or whatever. And then you got kids lining up yeah. down the street. What's really cool is I, I uh, some families know I'm coming so they'll buy gifts, and then when I come in with my bag, okay. they'll, have, they'll put the gifts on the porch. Yeah. I'll put them in there, and then so uh, I'm giving gifts, you know, from uh, from Santa Claus. You yep, know, that's neat. But uh, again, I always acknowledge Christ in the end, you know. Uh, but it is something really fun, really uh, welcomed everywhere. You know, to me, even adults, Christian or non-Christian, it doesn't matter. People just love it, you know. So. I, I want to continue to expand ideas like that that we could come up with to reach people for... You realize that in episode two, we've already hit probably one of the more controversial things we're able to say by not wholly condemning Santa Claus, right? Oh, right, right. Well, Santa Claus, Christmas trees, uh, the bunny rabbit. I mean, we could, you know, we could, we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? You know, so I just say let's use those tools to reach people yeah if you demonize them i i had a friend at, at halloween told somebody oh halloween's so evil blah 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 well i said well you probably lost a friend because they they think halloween's awesome you know why don't you win that person over first and then if you want if you say would you mind if i shared my view on halloween yeah. you know if they they may not want to hear it I, yeah. You want to win that person to Christ. That's why we're doing this. How yeah. can we be wise right. in winning souls for Jesus? You and know? and that, that goes back to something that I'm sure is going to come up in the podcast a lot over and over again, depending on the topic. But it's I'll try not to go off on it too much because I can get on a kind of a soapbox about it. But the idea that Christians are always trying to get unbelievers to stop behaving like unbelievers, mm. it just bothers me to no end. I'm always mm -hmm. like, yeah. Only Jesus can do that. What right. is the point? Right. Like, why? Right. Right. Why do you care that they're acting like an unbeliever while they don't know Jesus? Right. You could get them to act as holy as you want, and they'd still be right. like filthy rags. They wouldn't right. get them anywhere. They have no relationship with the Father. I mean, until Jesus restores that connection to the Father. And so, yeah, that, that whole, you know, protesting you know halloween i mean if you want to talk to other believers about it that's mm -hmm. different but when you when you go after unbelievers i'm like what mm -hmm. what even if they did decide not to celebrate halloween what do you think you just accomplished right. i mean they're, right. they're no closer to, right. to, to the father than they were before because only jesus inches them any closer right right but, so yeah so it's interesting i mean uh, like even the family we were with today i was like do you guys how do you guys deal with santa claus and they're like well you know we we acknowledge him as a tradition but we don't endorse yeah. it is the only belief system you know and i was just kind of curious so. where i'm at with with most things like santa claus and and easter and those kind of things is that 
I believe that our intentions override whatever origination for the most part. I'm not, I don't want to say this a blanket statement, but you know, if your intention is to do X, then I don't think it's the same as, well, the day originated this way. Yeah, but I'm not celebrating that. I'm not celebrating, you know, whatever goddess might have come from Easter and that kind of thing. So it just doesn't seem right to me that everybody get lumped into that. I mean, whoever had the pagan festival for Easter didn't own the day. The devil doesn't own October 31st or 30th or whatever day it is. So, I mean, you start breaking down the argument to find out exactly what is so unholy about it. It's not taking candy. It's not the day. So what exactly do they own? Uh, You know, but again, that's where I land. I'm just like, what's your intention? Is your intention to go out and worship Satan? Then you probably shouldn't do it. Right. Um, I had some Jehovah's Witnesses. That's a little too simple for some people. I had some really nice Jehovah's Witnesses one time. They were trying to win me to their faith and this and that. And I I said, I'll be quite frank, frank, because I can never be a good Jehovah's Witness. I love my birthday. I love Christmas. I love Halloween. I love it all. You know, I think it's fun, you know. Uh, and uh, and they were like, oh, you know. And I was like, well, I just I would still secretly do it if I was a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> None against Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sure they're good people or whatever. But, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, I love each holiday. I use it. I use it to leverage the further the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't come against it or demonize it, you know, and I think you can do both. Right. I think there's such a huge difference when you are able to take a hard look at yourself and say, my objective is not to be proven right about the gospel. It's to introduce people to Jesus. Right. Like sometimes we get caught up and, and if I'm honest about myself, like I take a step back and I think, I think that somewhere in the middle of the conversation, I just really wanted to be shown that I was right about who Jesus is and not introduce him to Jesus. And I think if you really want to introduce him to Jesus, it's a lot, or, and, and you keep that in the forefront of your mind, it's a lot easier to avoid arguments. Because I think that's what, you know, I mean, that's, that's really where our, our, you know, what we wanted to address was like, how do you avoid infighting? How do you avoid, like, how do you present Jesus and not turn it into, I mean, what they, because of, Honestly, a lot of believers, they say at family gatherings, don't talk about politics and religion. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big bummer for Christians who yeah. are honestly concerned people are going to hell. Yeah. But a lot of that comes from the fact that we've we've taken it and we've gone down roads we shouldn't have. And we've not done it lovingly. And we've made different things our objective and not introducing people to Jesus. That comes up a really good point. I mean, you're you're going to have your theology debaters. You're going to have your intellectuals. And I am telling you, I mean, if you want to entertain them and do that for a short period of time, I've found it never to bear fruit. Intellectually or theologically debate uh, your your differences in that. You really need to go back to the simple thing. I once was a sinner. I was terrible. And God somehow in his mercy forgave me. And it changed my behavior. Yeah. And you got to keep simply to the thing. And that is why I'm here today to bring Jesus out of the manger scene that he is real to me. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that is something far away, but he's real to me. It's authentically, and that's why I have peace. That's why I'm excited about the future. I even have a, maybe a president or a politics I don't even agree with. I'm still excited about the yeah. future, you know, uh, because of Christ in me. And I'm not going to sit there and debate you intellectually or theologically because I just don't feel it bears much fruit. Have you had much success with that? Or 
No, no. I mean, debating somebody into the kingdom is about as useless of a task as I think you could, right. as, as you could have. I mean, and there's people who you know took that philosophy class in college and are really, really into it and that, and that kind of thing. And I don't want to say that it's completely fruitless. I just don't. You're not looking for mental assent to the gospel. You're right. looking for an introduction to the king. You right. know, and and that that can happen. I, I believe that can happen through some theological debates. I think it's a lot more rare because. Theological debates, I think, oftentimes are just born of pride. Um, right. So, you know, not a lot of people meet Jesus trying to be as prideful right. as they can be. And you don't introduce a lot of people to right. Jesus trying to be as prideful right. as you can right. be, you know? Right. Um, I guess, it, I guess you know, because you kind of spurred something on me, you know, being right, you think you're going to win some of the Christ. You don't do it that way. But I was thinking, if you were debating, and they, if they had a pure heart and they really wanted to find Jesus and their theology concepts. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think if you read into that person's heart, like, you know, they seem to be very sincere that they're stuck in certain mindsets. There is, there is for sure know. people who, who will come to you in a debating fashion and what they're really communicating is I'm wrestling with this, but I can't get past this logical concept or what I can uh, 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 believe is a logical fallacy or whatever, whatever it is. And, and I think it's, it's useful to engage those yeah. kind of people. If it's part of your gift set, a lot of people can't because they themselves are going to get frustrated about right. it. I mean, what do you say to the guy who says, can God, you know, make a rock that's so large he can't lift? Like right. if he can do anything, then he can make it. But if he can do anything, he can lift it. And it's like, right. God's a person. Well, he's, I, didn't he's want to be, I didn't want to be a crazy born again Christian like my aunt because I was like, you know, I, I had a concept as, as being brought up as a Lutheran that uh, it was just a bunch of goody two shoe stuff. You were just being nice. And there was a lot of genuine hypocrisy in it. And it was a block. So I did need to get past that hurdle and someone need to theologically kind of challenge my thinking on that, uh, that that's really not an authentic uh, walk with Christ, you know, you're, you're letting that block you. And I had words like righteousness and grace, and those were blockers to me. It's, it's funny. It's funny you say that, that what I was about to say was I've tried for years now, and I think it generally bears some fruit to not talk or use any different language inside the church than I do outside the church. Mm. Like they just need to match up because people need to see you as normal. Like mm -hmm. not compartmentalized, not I'm one way in church and I'm a different way at home or church brings this sort of out of me that I don't. It's like, nope, I was transformed and this is the way that I am. And if I'm this way at home, then I'm going to be this way at church um, for that for that exact reason. It's like you get into the churchy lingo and, and you use different words and it's just it's almost like a lot of that in the right in the right person. I don't want to say everybody that does that is for this reason, but it's almost like. In, in, in our immaturity, sometimes we feel the need to put a wedge between us and them. And it's like this extra thing that shows why we're different. Like we even speak differently now, you know, you know, there's sort of this piety that we, we try to, we try to, you know, lift ourselves up on the, to, to make us appear different for reasons that don't actually matter. Mm. Can you recall a time in the past where um, you just authentically encountered Christ at Christmas it could be in a service. It could be with your family members, your daughters, um, maybe sitting around a fire. Um, no, I think one of the last dramatic times that that happened to me, oddly enough, it was relatively disconnected from what I would call a, a, a quote-unquote religious experience. It was, it was at church, 
but it, it didn't revolve around church or the service necessarily. It was we were at church and it was a Sunday or a, not a Sunday, a Christmas Eve service, and it was just seeing the families. It was just kind of like you know I have this this thing that I, that I love to to meditate on and talk about, which is the you know when you can see parts of humanity that still echo being created in the image of God. And, you know, people put such an emphasis, a good emphasis, one that, you know, maybe should be year round on the family, you know, you see it magnified at that time. And it just makes me stop. And, and just, I just had this moment where I was seeing a broken and weak example of God's heart for family, what he put in us to develop family because we're his family. You know, we can see it in all kinds of weak ways, but you kind of see almost the best of the best a lot of times in, in those situations. And so just stepping back and seeing that and just communing with the Holy Spirit of like, this is this is just a microcosm of, of what we're going to get someday in the real family of God and the, and the true expression of it. That's good. Yeah, my, my authentic experience with finding Jesus in my traditions, it was a tradition that became religious, but now I resurrected it. It's going to the candlelight service again. And at 11 o'clock at night, and, and it, it is touching to see the families there. I usually go to my old church, which is St. John's, which is Pathfinder now in Ellisville, and they do the candlelight service. It, it's just you feel the presence of God. You do that. And then we usually do this uh, traditional uh, walkthrough. In Chesterfield, they have uh, candlelight uh, candles and bags, and they, they line them all along the subdivisions. It's really a cool thing. I just find Christ in that kind of is like the cheering whipped cream uh, on, the, on the whole thing. And I find Jesus in that. So I just want to encourage you guys this year, find Jesus in Christmas. Find the authentic Jesus. And in closing, we want to encourage you guys, be genuinely interested in each and every family member. Be intentional. Yep. You're being very intentional. Yeah. Be present wherever you are. Be there, you know, which is a challenge, you know. Uh, and then, like Ben said, uh, look for those opportunities. Hey, how can I pray for you this Christmas? Sometimes you might have to trick them. How, what's that? Oh, I said sometimes you might have to trick them. Might trick them? How's well, that? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've been around people who like to dodge the question. So that's okay. why I gave the example of Uncle Ron limping through the living room. And you might just have oh, to right. seize upon the opportunity because right. if you say, what can I pray for you? Oh, no, nothing. I'm good. I'm good. Right. Sometimes you have to be a little sneaky right. uh, to get it in there. But yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Well, that's good. We need to, we need to find ways to show that the Lord responds miraculously be, yeah. beyond their understanding, yeah. something they yeah. can't explain to yeah. them. Yeah, and there's a, there's that natural of stepping out, and then that kicks in the supernatural, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't it? So this Christmas, we just, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that, Jesus, you are authentic. You're real to us. You're not just a God who's far away in a manger scene or someone far away. You are real to us. So, Jesus, make us as Christians authentic in our love, authentic in our peace, authentic in our joy, Father, that each encounter with each party, each family member, each uh, friend would touch them because of Christ in us, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.